0: installment of our Selfie Series, and man, it is just crazy the amount of ground that we've covered. It's been so great to hear so many testimonies from all of you uh, who have just told us how impactful this has been and how much God has worked in your life. And so this weekend in all of our services, this is our final installment, our concluding message to our Selfie Series, and I'm so privileged to have my wife, Sarah, up here with me this weekend. And uh, we're going to be talking about, in terms of selfie, when it's not just your selfie anymore. (laughs) marriage <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about this weekend, and so we're so excited to be able to do that, and you know, the truth is, kind of sticking with the whole selfie deal, you know, like, taking a selfie by yourself is hard enough, because you got to make sure you look good, and your background looks good, you know, the whole deal, but when you put more than one person, you know, come on, married couples, into the picture, like, it's like, okay, oh, that was a good one, and then inevitably, come on, man, she's like, no, I didn't look good in I that one. That. Okay, So then my dilemma is always like, I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. So now instead of looking at myself to make sure I look good, I'm looking at her. And so my face is always like... Like it
1: doesn't. And she's like, oh, that's a keeper. No, it's not. It's not a good one. I, I look good in it. It's but, hard yeah. <laughs> when it's not just your selfie anymore. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, taking a picture of two people uh, with one arm can be difficult. But I know that in marriage, when it's not just your selfie, there's a lot to deal with. And I, I mean, for for us, in the very first year of marriage, this became really clear right away. Like, it's not just myself. We I have as someone else I have to think about. Like, there's different ways of doing things. So I quit realized that there was the right way and then there was his way (laughs) and um, and so once, once we figured out that my way was the right way, we were good. No, but when you think about it, I mean, really. What is going on? Well,
0: honey, that's been great. It's been great having <laughs> you, everybody.
1: That's great. Thank you. No, but there's a lot to deal with, isn't there? I mean, all of a sudden you realize, wow, I had my way of doing things, and he's got his way of doing things. I mean, is the toilet seat going to be up, or is it going to be down? Up. Down. Uh, is the is the toilet paper over or under? Over. It's important, right? Are we going to share toothpaste or not? No. no. Um, <laughs> if you do, do you squeeze it from the middle or the end? Middle. The end. So you know it, right? I mean, there's <laughs> this is just
0: not going well. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. the temperature. So 76 what?
0: 76 and sunny.
1: No, not 76. That's hot. 72. What am I, the guy in the relationship? Come on. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
0: It's not in there. It's. Let's stick to the script, hun. Right here. Yeah, Clearly, this weekend it is not just my selfie anymore. <laughs> that's
1: right, I'm up here. You get to do this a lot. This I do. is really fun. So, you know. <laughs> so, for me, you know, in that very first year of marriage, you start to realize, don't you, oh, it's not just myself. There's someone else that we have to take into consideration. So, how do we do it? How do you how do you handle it? How do you navigate when it's
0: not just your selfie? anymore. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend. And let me just say this. uh, Single people who are in one of our services or watching online, Uh, Don't check out yet. If you find yourself in that single state or single again state, uh, listen, we believe that so much of what we're going to talk about this weekend is applicable and is relevant to your life. And and even if it's just relationships in general, whenever we say the word marriage, put the word relationship in there. We think that that so much of the content this weekend is going to be able to speak to your life and be relevant for you. So uh, now, married couples, let me say this. Uh, if, If any of us have been married for any period of time, then here's what we know. We know that every marriage goes through seasons. Every marriage goes through seasons. Seasons of good times. Seasons of bad times. Seasons of stressful times. Seasons of slow times. Seasons of of rush times or busy times, hectic times, crazy times. Seasons of restful times. Every marriage goes through seasons of stable times, transitional times. That's just part of being married. That's just part of doing life together over a lifetime. And what we want to talk about this weekend uh, is is this. Sarah and I want to present to you kind of an an illustration, a visual illustration uh, that that we hope will become cemented in your minds, married people. We believe uh, that this visual illustration is something that that can stick with us forever. And it's this idea of our marriages being like a bank account. And so we've got this jar here. We've got it full of coins. and, And here's the deal. The goal of marriage is to keep our marriage bank accounts filled to the top, because that's when it's fun. That's when marriage is exciting. That's when marriage is is clicking and hitting on all cylinders. That's, That's when life is good. When our marriage bank is
1: full, that's when life is good. But we know that from season to season, we can actually have to take withdrawals from it, right? So the goal is that it's full, but Life happens, doesn't it? And when life happens, especially in a marriage, all of a sudden we can come to the season where we go, wow, I feel like the bank account is going down. I feel like there are things that are going on that, that we're actually having to make some withdrawals right now. So what are some of those things, some of those seasons that just inevitably happen?
0: Well, I mean, I think there are seasons where life gets hectic. And every one of us can relate to that. And that's a moment in time where you make a withdrawal. You, you take coins out. It's natural. Life gets hectic. There's
1: a season where you give birth and have a newborn baby. <laughs> take another one. But yeah. Like, it's probably going to be like yeah. three, actually. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, newborn babies Parents and of no newborns. sleep and It won't weeks. always be this yeah. way, but okay. it will for a while.
0: <laughs> it's, it's hectic. It's crazy. Seasons where, you know, maybe you take a new job. And that's a season of withdrawals, and you go, okay, well that's okay. It's it's a season of withdrawal, and it's new crazy, new commute, new schedule. Maybe
1: your husband travels a lot with work, and so he's been traveling a lot, and you just feel like, wow, we haven't really connected in a long time, and all of a sudden you look up and you go, man, we've just we've had some withdrawals because we haven't been together.
0: Financial issues is another one of those married couples where it can be a season of withdrawal, and all of a sudden it's the bank is going down, it's going down, it's going down, or 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 health issues, and maybe you know. family family member gets sick, or maybe you get sick, or there's issues, whatever, and all of a sudden, we can find ourselves in a place where, married couples, where the bank keeps getting lower and lower and lower, and we've got to be careful, because the goal, remember, is to keep this thing filled to the top, and ultimately, we want to avoid hitting the bottom, bankrupting our marriage bank, and here's the thing, every single one of us have looked at couples from the outside, couples from afar, who, who looked great. Right, They looked amazing on the outside. We said, man, they've got it all together. They're incredible. And then, and it's always this, all of a sudden. It's always all of a sudden, isn't it? All of a sudden, it's like the wheels come off. All of a sudden, we look at this perfect couple, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, golden retriever. right? And now they're separated. Now they're getting a divorce. Now the kids are going off the deep end. Now there's collateral damage all over. And what do we do? We sit on and we go, how? How could this happen? What Happened. This couple looked great. They looked amazing on the outside. What happened? Well, what happened is they hit one of those seasons of withdrawals, which are inevitable in in the lifetime of a marriage. But they didn't start with their marriage bank full. They started half full or a third full or a quarter full. And so when they hit one of those seasons of withdrawal and they will come, all of a sudden they reached the bottom and they bankrupted their marriage. Here's what we want us to understand this weekend. If we don't start with a full bank account, then when the seasons of withdrawal come, married couples, and they will come, we have a much higher rate of risk of bankrupting our marriage.
1: And because life just happens, we can't avoid the withdrawals. You know, withdrawals are going to come. That's just life. But what we can do is we can affect the deposits yep. that we're putting in to our marriage. That is something that we can have control over. So how do we do that? How do we keep our marriage bank full? Well, this weekend and all of our services, we want to share with you just some ways that we can keep our marriage bank full. So if you have your bulletin, you can open it up to the inside left flap, and you can follow along with our message notes, or if you have the U version app, and you'll see um, kind of where we're heading. And so we're going to be talking to you about three ways that we keep our marriage bank full. Number one is this. We must keep everything in its proper context in our lives. We've got to keep everything in proper context and this starts with our relationship with the lord
0: in the bible in the book of exodus which is toward the beginning of the bible god's people the children of israel in the old testament uh, were were slaves they were slaves for 400 years to the nation of egypt and so they were the slave labor force they were under these horrible conditions and so god hears their cries and he sends a deliverer named moses and so moses goes and back, and he confronts Pharaoh and the plagues, and just this incredible just kind of thing goes on, and then God does the miraculous, and he uses Moses to deliver the children of Israel out from underneath the hand of Egypt. And for four centuries, he parts the Red Sea, they go through, they get to the other side, the army of Pharaoh rushes in, and the water collapses on them, the army is obliterated. You, if you don't read your Bible, you really should, it's quite fascinating. So they get out on the other side, and God establishes them as a new nation. And he wants to be their God. He wants to be the one in charge. And so they are now his, his children, his family. And so he calls Moses to go up on Mount Sinai to give in Exodus chapter 20 what we know to be the Ten Commandments. And so God is basically saying, okay, Moses, if this thing's going to work right, if this thing's going to be effective over the long term, then here's some big ideas, some big rocks, if you will, that have to be put in place first. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 1. Let's read it together. It says this, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 3, you will have no other gods before me. The starting place... Of God's priority list was himself, was relationship with God, being in relationship with him as their heavenly father. God said, listen, if this thing's going to work, then you've got to keep things in the right context. You've got to keep them in the right priority order. And when it comes to the priorities of our lives, this is how it works best. Let me illustrate this. Okay, the way our life works best is when God is at the top. And when I say God, what I mean is our relationship with with God, our intimacy with God. God doesn't want us to just know about Him. God wants us to actually know Him, and He wants to be number one, supreme in our life. Then after that, the Bible lays out that that our marriage is the next in line in terms of the priority list, and then our, our children after that, and then comes our work and Everything else, uh, the activities and commitments that we've made, relationships with others, obligations, those sorts of things, everything else, let's say, falls in line underneath that. God says, listen, this is my best case scenario for your life in terms of the priorities of your life. But watch this. Watch what happens. Because over the course of our life, throughout the pace of our life, living in our day and age today, what can begin to happen is all of those other things or, or work, so to speak, can become number one in our life. And ever so subtly, all of a sudden, work begins to elevate itself up or, or we go through one of those seasons of withdrawal that we were talking about a moment ago and suddenly we realize that, that activities and commitments and, and those sorts of things or work or other relationships start to become number one and then consequently, God moves down to that second position and because of that, then all of a sudden, our spouse goes even lower and all of a sudden, our kids go even lower. And, and watch this. When you begin to lay these side by side, here's what you begin to see. Suddenly, here's what happens. Ever so subtly, what what begins to happen is suddenly our spouse begins to to look on and and go, Hey, I I feel like I'm less of a priority than I I feel like I should be in in our marriage and in, in your life. And all of a sudden, our kids, and they may not even be able to articulate it, but all of a sudden, our children are going, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like there are other things that have that have taken number one spot. See, God wants us to keep our lives and everything in them in the proper context, in the proper priority order, because when we do, that's how
1: we keep our marriage bank full. That's how this thing works. And I'll just say this. This isn't a legalistic thing, and it's not really even a time thing, because we all have to work, and work does take up a lot of our time, but this is more of a heart issue, and we are the only ones that can know the condition that our heart is truly in when it comes to our relationship with God. It was a a few years ago, we were actually moving into this facility, into the, the building here at Plantation, and and I was the one who was actually in charge of the whole project, and and I was working like 90 hours a week. I mean, it was a crazy pace, and things were, you know, kind of going really, really fast, and I was, you know, answering a ton of emails and just doing anything and everything that I could to kind of get this place going, and, and all of a sudden, I realized during that time that everything else had kind of fallen to the wayside. It was about a three-month period of time, and all of a sudden, I kind of woke up and looked around, and I was like, man, I feel so far from you, God. Like, where are you? I feel so distant, and then with my marriage, I just felt like I was kind of going through the motions, and with my kids, I felt like I was present, but I wasn't really present. And after about 90 days of of living like this, I, I, I all of a sudden had to do one of those just heart inventory checks of like, where's my heart at? What's going on? And God was all the way at the bottom. And what I realized in that moment in time was that I had stopped trusting in him. I thought that it was all up to me. I thought that that the only way that this thing was going to work, the only way that my life was going to keep moving and, and advancing was if I made everything happen. I wasn't trusting in God, and it didn't work. I woke up after that few months and was like, this is not good. I'm distant from everyone in my life, and I'm distant from him. And I had made a lot of withdrawals in just a short period of time. And I'll just say this. I'm really thankful that there were some coins that were in the bank to start with. And so over that 90-day period of time, I had taken out a lot of withdrawals. But I'm so thankful that there were coins to begin with. But honestly, I had to look at myself, and I I had to repent to God first and say, God, I am so sorry. I have not been trusting in you. I've been I've been leaning in my own understanding and acting like this is all up to me. And then I had to ask for forgiveness from Matt and from my kids because this subtly happens. And again, it's not a legalistic thing. It's a heart thing. Where is our heart? Where is our relationship with God? And so I had to spend some time trying to get that bank account back up. And it was worth it. But we're the only ones that can know the condition of our heart.
0: So what about us? What about us? Is, is it work? Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's other things. Maybe maybe you're running everybody around to the point that you're running yourself ragged. Maybe, maybe you're so busy shuffling people and kids and priorities and commitments and whatever. I, I don't know. But listen, here's, here's the question that I think we have to wrestle with. Is there anything in my life? that I'm putting above my relationship with God and unconsciously then making everyone else in my family feel like less of a priority than they actually are? Is there anything else? Because see, if the goal of married couples is to keep our marriage bank account full, then number one, we have to keep everything in its proper context. Number two, if you want to write this down, how do we keep our marriage bank full? We must have practical disciplines. In place. We must have practical disciplines in place. Through the years, one of the things that's kept our marriage account full is a handful of regular things that we've built into the rhythm of our lives. And they're called disciplines. We're referring to them as disciplines uh, in this moment because uh, we do them whether we feel like it or not. Like for real, discipline, like if you have a discipline of going to the gym, then whether you feel like it or not, you go to the gym. Well, for us in our marriage over the years, we've tried to build the systems, the schedules, the structures to put in place, use the tools available to us to make sure that we're keeping our marriage bank account full. Because I, I know that even as we talk through some of these over the next few minutes, some of us are going to be listening this weekend going, yeah, but, you know, we'd like to or we wish we could or maybe if we can get around to it or if we can find the time or if we have the time, we have the money. Okay, listen, when we get around to it and if we can find the time are not strategies for success. They're not. Because life is too busy, life is too hectic, life is too hard, and keeping our marriage bank account full, married couples, is not just something that we wish would happen. It's a discipline that we have to put in place. Okay, going back to the Old Testament. So, God's people come out in Exodus, and they're a new nation. They're the family of God, and God continues to speak to them and really just try and help them navigate and frame up what life is supposed to look like in its most ideal form. And so, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's this interesting passage where God is speaking to his people. And he's telling them, listen, I want these things that we're talking about to not just be on you, but I want them to be passed down from generation to generation to generation. And here's how you need to do that. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 6. It says this, these commands, God speaking, that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk around along the road, when you lie down. When you get up, in other words, do whatever you got to do. Verse 8, then look at this part. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Like tie a string around your finger, right? Bind them on your forehead. Like get an Olivia Newton-John forehead, headband (laughs) thing if you need to. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your garage door, on your gate. Like what is God saying? God is saying, listen, (laughs) use whatever tool is available, whatever tool necessary to make sure that these are the priorities that you stick to. And here's what I think that means for us. I think the relevance of this for us today is God wants us to use every tool available. Technologies, smartphones, calendars, whatever. Listen, use whatever tool you can, married couples, to put these disciplines
1: in place to keep your marriage bank full. Why? Because that's the only way to do it. So five practical disciplines that have served us well, over the years, we've been married for 17 years now going on 23 years of be- being together. And so what are just some of those things that have really served us well over the years? The first one is this consistent meetings, consistent meetings. Now, <laughs> that may sound kind of funny to hear You're like, excuse me, I have to have a meeting with my spouse. But yes, we have found that this really is a discipline that helps us because life in a busy family is just complex, isn't it? I mean, there's just a lot going on. I mean, I think about our life and our world and there's just a lot of things that have to be figured out along the way. We've got, you know, matt's schedule and then my schedule and traveling and the boys and their sports and concerts and where we're taking them next and vacations and like what's going on where's our budget at where's the finances i mean there's just a lot going on because life is complex and so having a set time for us, has just been an amazing place where we can just discuss the day-to-day things. We can discuss the daily things of life. All right, what does the next week look like? What does the next month look like? Where did we land on that? What did you find out? And so it's just been great. And money. This is just a great place where we can talk about our finances. Did you know that the number one reason for marriage failure is finances. The number one reason that marriages fall apart is not being on the same page in their finances. So could it be that just setting up a meeting where you actually talk about these things, where you talk about, all right, how are we doing on our budget? How are we doing on our spending? How are we doing on our goals? Can actually help save your marriage? I believe it can. So set up this discipline. Set up this discipline of actually having this place to talk now. For us, we do this every week, and so it's just a place where we say, all right, every week we're going to get together, we're going to talk about this. Sometimes we have a lot more to talk about, sometimes we have less, but I would encourage you to figure out what your rhythm can be. I mean, if you've never done it, I would say probably start with once a month. That might be a good place to start, but start somewhere and have a place. I mean, come with lists, you know? Come with things that are in your head where you can actually talk to each other just about this operational stuff. I think it'll really serve. You well.
0: So, we're talking about practical disciplines that keep our marriage bank full. The first, as Sarah just said, is a consistent meeting, that space to do that. Number two, if you want to write this down, date nights. Okay, listen, that will fill up Woohoo! your marriage. Yeah, Woo! put another one in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> date nights. Okay, listen, here's the deal. We need a space for us. This fills our marriage bank up because we need a space where we can just be married without kids. I need a space where my wife can be hot. Yes. Boom. That's <laughs> so what I'm talking about. Okay, for us, our rhythm is every couple of weeks. We've figured out that, that if we don't get some face-to-face time, quiet, aloneness in a quiet restaurant about every two weeks, then we're starting to make withdrawals. We find that the bank account starts to slide a little bit. Yeah,
1: so we make this a priority, date night. And I'm telling you, this was hard when the kids were little and they're all like crying and I want to go and why can't you? And to stop and just look at your kids and go, hey. He's first. He's, he's my priority. I'm going to go on a date night with my husband. This is a place where we can dream mm-hmm. together. You know, M- Matt is such a visionary and a dreamer. He's always got a new dream or something that he's thinking about. And he loves it on date night when I pause and I just ask him, what are you dreaming about? Like, what's God doing in your heart? What, what are you dreaming about? And here's why that meeting space is so important – because if you don't have that place where you're talking about all the details of life, then you are going to get to date night and you're going to start talking about the details of life, right? I mean, you're going to, you're going, oh good, this is the first time that we've really been face to face in a while. Let's let's talk, let's talk about our schedules, let's talk about the kids and let's talk about, you know, the budget. And I'm just telling you, if you start making a list on date night, that does not make for a great date night, you know what I'm saying? Like, so Having those two different places where we can dream together and just have fun on date night, but then you can have a meeting place, it's a a good differentiation between the two different discussions. So
0: married couples, we're talking about keeping our marriage bank account full. We're talking about consistent meetings, date night. Number three, uh, vacation without the kids. Okay, come on. I'm going to meddle a little bit, married people. A vacation without the kids. Here's why. Because a vacation with the kids... Is a trip. (laughs) I'm just telling you, it's a trip and it's all about the kids. And when you get home, you're more exhausted before you left, okay? No, (laughs) if you don't believe me, look at your selfie of the vacation with the kids and the selfie of the vacation without the kids. (laughs) Totally different smile. It's true. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. listen, it's so (laughs) true, guys, listen, we have found that for us, one of the things that keeps our marriage bank full, married couples, and I'm going to meddle a little bit here, come on, is this, it is, we need a space at least once a year where we can just be husband and wife again. We can just be best friends, that she is not the boy's mom, that she's not the woman in the office next to me that I work with at the office, that she is just my wife. That's what vacation uh, without kids does And
1: we've us. done this since our kids were really young. Right. And it has just served us so well. So I know it can be hard, and if you've never parted with your kids for a night, you might be thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I would challenge you, try it. It is so worth it. And, and you know, don't let finances or time just, you know, hang you up in your mind. I mean, start simple. Start with one night away. Yep. Just start with one night where the two of you get away and then maybe extend it to two or three. And, you know, for us, now it's a full seven. We enjoy seven nights away where it's just ourself and it's just served us really well. Number four is this. Number four, constant conversations. Constant conversations. Conversations. Again, we're talking about disciplines that are in our life that keep the bank full. Constant conversations. This is what we mean by constant conversations. We keep short accounts Mm -hmm. with each other. We keep short accounts. Don't let too much time go by without talking about things, especially even if it's just small. Because here's what inevitably will happen, won't it? I mean, something just gets said and passing, and you go, hey, that kind of offended me, but, you oh, that, I, I, he, maybe he didn't mean it. And then something else happens, and, oh, what was that? Oh, well, it's okay. And, and you start pushing things under the rug, and you don't realize it, but you're just removing a few coins at a time, just a few coins at a time. And those non-conversations will actually build up, and all of a sudden you'll realize, You're taking huge withdrawals. And so keeping short accounts allows you in real time to deal with the real issues and go, hey, hey, when you said that this morning, did you did you mean that? Or and you can just talk about those things in real time.
0: Yeah. Some of us can't figure out why we can't get our marriage bank full. Is it possible that it's just three coins a day? of unresolved little issues that we're just letting build up in our heart. And what's happening is it's creating a slow leak in our marriage bank. So we talk about those things that we have. We have constant conversations that we are constantly talking to one another. And again, not just about the small stuff, so to speak, but about the big stuff as well. Listen, we're not afraid to talk about big issues in our marriage that we ask each other big questions, that periodically we sit down with one another and we talk about our schedule overall, like the 30,000-foot view of our schedule, of the pace of our family, of activities and travel and all those things that is our life now. Uh, Men, uh, come on. I ask her regularly about how am I doing as a husband? How can I improve? What can I do better to serve you better, to serve around the house, to serve our boys? How do you feel like I'm doing as a dad? Those are big questions, constant conversations we're having with you.
1: and ladies, I would just challenge us. Ask your husband, how am I doing as a wife? What else can I do to, to lift up your arms to support you? How, how about this question? Hey, honey, how is our intimacy? How, how do you feel like our intimacy is? Get Intimacy, the, the S word? Okay, so how is, how is our intimacy, honey? I'm, I'm just telling you, ladies, Guys are open to talking about their into our intimate life, but th- they don't want to be the one to bring it up. So so take that step. Bring it up. Say, hey, hey, hon, like, how do you feel like our intimacy is? Be willing to have those constant conversations because over time, that's how we put the coins in. That's how we keep our marriage bank full.
0: You said the, the S word, and I'm just going to – Put a few this more is
1: in. Speaking
0: yeah. of the S word, number five <laughs> a shared hobby. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> Practical disciplines. <laughs> A
1: shared hobby. This is just a great place to have fun with your spouse. I mean, there is just a lot to do in marriage. There's, you know, a lot to take care of with the kids and schedules and everything, and so having a shared hobby is just a place where you can have fun. Now, a lot of people, if you know my husband at all, if you've been around Next Level at all, you know he loves baseball, right? So uh, if there's a A word that was more extreme than love, I would use that with his love for baseball. I'm not sure what that would be, but no, my husband loves baseball. And anyone who looks on at me, like on social media, and I'll be talking about the Tampa Bay Rays and spring training starting, and this many days till pitchers and catchers report, and you know, throwing out stats, and they're like, Sarah, do you really like baseball? (laughs) And I do. I didn't at first. I mean, he had to explain the game to me, you know, so (laughs) he. to invite me into it. But I learned I love him and he loves baseball and we love to love something together. So just having a shared hobby is just a great place. It's just a great discipline to just have fun with each other. It really
0: is. And it's a place Mm -hmm. that has uh, something that has kept our marriage bank full. And, And you know that we're calling these disciplines again because these are things that we do whether we feel like it or not, in the good times and the bad, in the hectic times and and the slow times. These are disciplines that we have found keep our marriage bank full. So how do we do that? Number three, finally, uh, in your notes there, we have to keep fighting for face-to-face, not just shoulder-to-shoulder. We have to keep fighting for face-to-face, not just shoulder-to-shoulder. We want to illustrate this because most couples in America today are great at being shoulder-to-shoulder and they track an efficient effective mile and they track on parallel tracks and it's great and they stand shoulder to shoulder and from the outside everything looks great and it's awesome and they manage the kids well and the double income well and the thing and the bills and the mortgage and the the activities and they are shoulder to shoulder and they're fantastic they're not back to back they're not going in different directions they're standing shoulder to shoulder and they've mastered that
1: but we have to learn how to fight for face-to-face. Because
0: there is something powerful and intimate about standing face-to-face that you just can't get. You just can't get shoulder-to-shoulder.
1: Do you remember when you were dating? Do you remember when you first started dating each other and it was like, you just couldn't get enough of this, could you? I mean, it was, when's our next date, or when's the next time we get to see each other? I just, I can't wait to, to be with him. I can't wait to know him more, to To get to know him more, because that intimacy that just started face-to-face was amazing. I mean, I take myself back to when we were dating. It, it was in high school, and I, I will never forget, like, laying on my bed with the, you know, pink flowers. And I had, like, a neon phone that lit up when it rang. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, and and I would just lay on the bed, you know, past midnight and have to whisper because I didn't want my parents to know that I was still talking to him. And I would just be laying there. we just talk about everything. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about what you ate. Tell, I, I just wanted to know Everything I wanted to know everything about him. I, I would say, what are you learning in the Bible? Tell, tell me what, you, what you're reading about. Or I mean, I remember the Gulf War was happening. We talked about war. I mean, what do you believe about war? I mean, we talked about everything. Why? Because we couldn't yes. get enough of this. We wanted that face-to-face time. And none of us yeah. set out. None of us set out when we were dating to be shoulder to shoulder. None of us thought, oh, let's have a really good working relationship where we can raise kids and live two separate lives under the same roof. No. We all set out for this. We all set out to be face to face. But we have to fight for it. We have to fight for this. Because the world will pull us in every other direction. That's right. And so it's a fight. We have to be willing to fight for that face to face. So what
0: about us? Come on, married couples this weekend. What about us? What season are you in? Maybe you're here this weekend and you're in a season of withdrawal. Guess what? That's okay. Those happen. They happen. It's not bad. But it's important for us to know it, to identify it, to call it what it is. You know why? Because that becomes our starting point. And some of us, we need to recognize the season we're in and we need to get about putting in the disciplines. We need to get about it again. Filling up our marriage bank. We've been coasting too long. we got to start making some proactive deposits, getting those disciplines back in there, making sure God is at the helm, making sure nothing has taken the place on the priority list. Where are we at, and what do we need to do? Come on, married couples, what do we need to do? What decision do we need to make this weekend? See it right where we are to keep our marriage bank full. Can we pray together? Come on, all across this place, in every service, let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of married couples that are represented here. And Father, we pray for each one of them right now. Jesus, I pray for courage to have conversations, things that that were short account stuff that have built up and now it's a big deal. Lord, give courage this weekend. Jesus, for the bigger conversations than that even, Lord, give courage. Father, I pray for married couples, so many this weekend, that they would begin to put these disciplines back in, that they would get date night back in, that they would uh, set up a meeting where they can talk about the detailed list stuff of, of their of their marriage. God, we just pray for that. Jesus, when we look at our marriages, when we look at our kids and our families, there's so much at stake. Jesus, it's not just about ourselves anymore. It's about us being strong, being everything we can be together as a married couple, that we might lead our children to a place where they need to be, that our world might look on and see the difference that is you inside of our marriage. So, Father, tonight, in this place, in this service, Jesus, in all of our services, I pray blessing on every single married couple. God, thank you. Thank you for them. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name, in everyone in every service who agreed said.